In our breakout and best-selling book, Looking for Angels, A Guide to Understanding and Connecting with Angels, Dr. Scott Guerin and I share how you can communicate with angels, understand signs from the universe and these celestial beings, feel at peace knowing you are always connected to source, and much more. Get your copy today at lookingforangelsbook.com, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or your local bookstore. And now you can even get the audio version narrated by me and Scott through Amazon, Audible, and iTunes. You are listening to A Psychic Story, a podcast that shares behind-the-scenes insights of people who lead supernatural lives among the ordinary. And I'm your host, Nicole Bigley. Join me every other Wednesday as I dispel the myths behind magic and lore. Welcome to A Psychic Story. Shana, thank you for joining us for this episode of A Psychic Story. I'm certainly excited to hear from your perspective on the topics that we have outlined today. I am super excited too. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, of course. And how we like to dive in almost on every episode here is when and how you got started into it, you know, into what it is that you do. And particularly, I find it really interesting Mm -hmm. how you wanted to integrate intuition into your psychotherapy practice because to me, that's kind of what is missing in a lot of, you know, modalities and things that people either go for the spiritual or they go for the mental and the physical, but they don't necessarily look into how does it all integrate together. So I'd love to hear about your perspective on how you got to where you are. Yeah, so I was I was in a marriage and I had two little kids and I was in the suburbs and, you know, like a lot of people that I worked with actually, stay-at-home mom and kind of happy, but really felt like there was something more. And so I started going to yoga. I started doing my own therapy, actually. I started reading a whole bunch of spiritual books that I have never read before. And things just started opening up for me. And... um Yeah, I actually had a moment. It was just crazy where I had a spiritual awakening. I was in the middle. It sounds really strange, but I was in the middle of an argument with my husband at the time. And somehow, I'm not sure what happened, but in the middle of that, he just started saying all these wonderful things to me. And I think it shifted my vibration so dramatically (laughs) from where I was before that all of a sudden, just everything changed in my consciousness and the things that I was reading and understanding and studying, just it just was all downloaded into me. So there was no, no, no problems at all. My body was vibrating with energy and I'd never felt anything like this before. And I was so excited about it. It was amazing and life changing. And then I tried to talk to people in my world about it, people in my mom's group or my husband, and they would just kind of look at me like, huh, interesting. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I was just in the state where, you know, I knew, I knew that there was a bigger purpose. I understood that everything was connected and we're all made of energy and all there is is love. And, and I really started resonating with people like Dr. Wayne Dyer, who started out in the scientific world, right? And then the psychotherapy world, but he discovered spirituality along his path. And I just had this deep knowing that that is my calling as well. Like I didn't know what I was doing with my career or life before then. And then I just had this knowing that um, it's my calling 
to be a spiritual counselor, which I didn't know what that meant at the time, and to help mainstream people that didn't understand what that meant. Um, to kind of wake them up in a secret, subtle way, if that makes any sense to you. Um, yeah, so it was, and then I just went, I went, I had to go back to school. I did my undergrad. I did my graduate studies. I was continuing to do yoga and read my own books and do spiritual practices on the side, you know, started meditating every day and I haven't stopped since then. And yeah, so I just went straight through. I ended up getting a divorce along the way and I took my two little kids and there were so many miracles along the way of my path. Once I surrendered to the universe and just understood my calling, it totally supported me the whole way through. Where I am now. So, when you started out, did you have a psychotherapy degree or was that after? Totally after. Okay. It was all combined together. Yeah, I didn't okay. even have my undergrad. Well, that's cool. <laughs> that's that's great to hear because it's almost like so I wasn't sure if you had had it before and then you had an experience and then went back and integrated it into it, but you were able to actually. And I even had a knowing, you know, along my path, I meditated and just followed all the signs, even to where I was going to go to school. I remember, you know, about 10 years before that, I was driving along this road close to where I live now. And I just had the feeling that I'm going to, I'm going to live here someday. I didn't know what that meant, but it was in the forest and it was by water. So I just had this knowing. And so when I was looking into schools, I knew I needed to go somewhere where it it had psychotherapy, but also integrated the holistic and the naturopathic and the spiritual sense. And everything that I was finding was in Colorado or in California. And again, I had two little kids at the time. Like I was pretty limited. I couldn't move away. I couldn't take them anywhere. And so I was meditating one day and the name Bastyr came up. I had not heard of that before. I didn't know what it was. And so I went online and I Googled it. And the degree that popped up was health psychology and spirituality. So I remember I started crying because I was so grateful. And it was on that same road that I had driven on 10 years earlier, feeling like I should live here. Yeah, it was on that same road. And so anyway, so after the divorce, I picked up and I'm with my kids. It was about 30 minutes away from where I was living with my husband. And, and we still live in the area because it's beautiful. There's forests. I can take hikes almost every day. There's a lake here. And so anyway, so it's just miracles all along the way that supported me. What you're describing that I've heard more recently of or more, I guess people are becoming more aware of it is called the dark awakening of the soul. And some people kind of go through it, I want to say a lot more faster, but some people go through it more aware and some people don't, but it's almost like what we would, there was another episode that I did about this, but it's almost like what we would think of as a crisis. We normally attribute it to the outside forces. Like you said, we're going through a divorce. We've lost a job. We don't know, almost like what people would say is a midlife crisis or going through those kind of things. But in actuality, I'd love to hear your perspective on this. In my mind, it is about the fact that we have these evolution of our soul and our spiritual um, awakenings that we need to experience in order to get to the next level. And not to undercut what you went through, but it sounds like you were able to turn that experience into very much a positive and then also into a solution for not just yourself, but your clients. Absolutely. Right. And when I had my awakening, I was just like, how can everybody else live on the planet and not feel this way? (laughs) This is so amazing. And I need everyone else to understand it and how it's possible and how it's not even that difficult. It's just a shift in consciousness. You know, it doesn't feel that difficult when you're on the other side of it. 
you know, when you're... No, you mentioned another thing about your husband talking to you at the time and it shifted your vibration. And I find that very important for anyone who's listening and hasn't experienced it before. When we have relationships, whether they're friendships, um, work relationships, personal relationships, what have you, however you define those, what happens is, is when you get to a certain level and it's almost like you you said he, in a way, shifted, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but shifted your vibration to the level that you needed to be on to be aware, right? Almost you took it a step beyond and then you just kept progressing. So mm-hmm. how do you, with your clients, and I guess that's a, a way for us to dive in really, because we're here, we're here to mm-hmm. talk about both anxiety mm-hmm. as a messenger and then synchronicity and how signs can, you know, help you progress within within your day to day. Because I think sometimes we tend to try and hold on to relationships or situations that no longer serve us. Oh, you're so smart. You're right. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of the time, you know, when people come into my office and they have unexplained anxiety, you know, when they tell their life story and what they're doing and who they're living with, it's really pretty easy to understand. Or even people in their life that they need to just even have a conversation with it that might shift the relationship. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. And for me, you know, the anxiety that I was experiencing before my awakening was just kind of under the surface. And my brain was telling me, this is what you wanted. You wanted a husband. You wanted a family. You wanted to stay home. This is perfect. What is wrong with you? You know, but the anxiety that I kept experiencing was around. The relationship definitely was not a good fit for me, especially after my awakening I kept growing right and he is a beautiful person but he wasn't um he didn't want to grow in the same way and so it just didn't make sense for us to stay together any longer and that a lot of the times even though it's really hard for people's brains to understand or to let go of the fantasy of what they want the relationship to be no matter if it's with a husband or or a mother or a sister or anybody in their life where they're holding on to how they want it to be when that's not the reality Mm -hmm. of the situation, it creates a lot of anxiety, right? And a lot of times, you know, it's really a process of figuring out what do I need from this person and how can I ask for it? Because a lot of anxiety as well, like I said, is just unexpressed emotions or unexpressed conversations. And so first, it's getting inside your own insight, quieting your mind enough to connect own intuition to see what even you feel about the relationship because it's really hard I work with mostly empaths and so they're really sensitive people as you know and we pick up on other people's emotions so much that it's hard to know how we feel even in a relationship with somebody else because we might be overriding that with okay I don't want to hurt this person's feelings for example so first of all it's getting clear on what you really feel and then, you know, finding ways to express it to that person because they can't make the changes that you need to be happy in the relationship if they don't know how you feel. And then it's just discovering, are they able to hear you? Are they able to grow in the same way? Are they able to recognize what you're saying and make changes accordingly to meet your needs? And if not, that's okay, too. But then it comes back to yourself and um, just asking yourself some questions about how you want to keep living. Because if you're living in a relationship with someone that's at a different consciousness level than you, it's really hard to keep growing in the way that you want to grow and evolving in the way you want to evolve. Yeah, no. And you've said a lot of important things. So before we get it, like kind of go in and unpack that, I'd like to get into for me, and this could take a little bit of time, but what exactly is anxiety? So I actually suffer from anxiety. I started when I was 
young, I want to say almost before I was a teenager and my parents were very understanding, but they didn't necessarily understand what I was going through. Right. And Mm -hmm. back then, like, gosh, I want to say 25 years ago at this, even more, no one really, it wasn't like what it is today where you're like, I'm feeling anxious. Oh, that's okay. Like, here's what you need to do. Right. It was like, but why you have this, 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 and this going for you. I say that because Mm -hmm. it could have been a lot of things. It could have been um, my reaction in in terms of how I was emotionally progressing my mental emotional Mm -hmm. area like that I'm going to just put to the side but Mm -hmm. what I understand it for and for the listeners is how scientists or doctors usually talk about anxiety is that we have this part of our brain that helps the fight or flight situation and with that we usually perceive like is there a tiger well the tiger means that we have to run away because that's going to save us nowadays in modern day times what happens is we have a perceived threat And our body in a lot of ways reacts that we don't necessarily need to react to. But what I feel and what we were talking about earlier is that there is a component that we're not taking into consideration. And that's like the spiritual and emotional or the intuition piece of it. And I think that makes it, and you tell me if I'm wrong, harder for people to necessarily understand that might be where their anxiety is coming from as well, right? So I'll give an example. You mentioned the empath. There may be somebody that is picking up on somebody else's emotions or it may be their emotions or let's say that there is a situation coming up and they may have an intuition. And because that's coming up, they don't necessarily know how to recognize that emotion. And then it's building and it's creating this anxiousness or this level of anxiety. And Mm -hmm. so then we kind of just shut down. And and I don't want to speak on your experiences or anybody else's, but I think that that's a big piece of it is that most people think it's a trigger as far as a relationship, a job, this, that, and the other, but it could be much more than that, right? So from your perspective, how do you really define anxiety? And when you're then working with someone, what are what does it look like that you're going to help them process that anxiousness? And what does that look like? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's so such a good question. And it's so unique for every individual, of course, right? But to me, generally, anxiety is the same as fear. It's the same thing. And our body picks it up from all different kinds of places. You know, it can be our environment, it can be people we're working with, it can be our relationship, it can be a lot of empaths I find to just pick up on the anxiety of the world overall. Mm -hmm. And I'm assuming for you, you know, because you're such a sensitive, beautiful, lovely soul that as a teenager, and the same with me, right, just so sensitive to everything and going into a high school or a middle school. There's so much energy (laughs) there, right? And so many kids have so many feelings that they're not processing. And so people like us, we're going to pick up on all of those things. And I think a lot of it too is the way our minds are interpreting things. So our ego, you know, to me, is the same as fear. And like you said, when it gets triggered and there's something that's really going to um, endanger our life, it's really important. So we want to thank that response actually for keeping us safe. Thank you very much for keeping me safe. But you don't need it as much as we used to, like you said, in the caveman ages, because we are pretty safe most of the time. There's just these underlying 
fear responses that are still present in our biology, which are super helpful, but we need to find tools to calm those down because it's not happening like it used to be. Yeah. So I do think like what you were saying, a lot of the time people are describing anxiety, but it's really their brain trying to block something that intuitively their soul wants them to know. And they're really scared to know what that is because then their life has to change, right? Or their relationship Mm -hmm. has to change or their job has to change or their relationship with their family has to change, which can be super scary for some people. I have so many people that come to me and they don't, you know, they say, oh, I had a panic attack out of the blue. I have no, no understanding of why this happened when they describe their week and they have their mother-in-law, for example, living with them and criticizing them every day. Or they had a holiday. Recently, I had a client and she grew up in a religion where they're not able to celebrate holidays. And so she had a daughter's birthday and then she had a panic attack later that night and she couldn't understand the connection, but it was because she had so much guilt and anxiety and fear from growing up about holidays. So anyway, yeah, so anxiety to me a lot is coming from our environment, coming from our brain, misinterpreting things as threats. And it's also coming from intuition that we are scared to um, just open up to so we don't have to make changes in our lives because it's much easier to stay safe, right? And stay comfortable. We're here to evolve and we're here to expand and we're here to keep growing. And anxiety is actually, you know, it can be a sign and a highlighter to what you're supposed to do in your lifetime in order to grow and expand. It can actually be a super exciting thing. And if you listen to that call and you make the changes, even though you're scared, you're soul gets to evolve and then you don't have to come back another lifetime and repeat the same freaking lesson over again right Mm -hmm. and so it's such an exciting thing if you can look at it as an opportunity talk a little bit more about that because I would say that there's I don't want to put it necessarily in this or that, but I'm going to, for the simplicity's sake, I'm going to say there's two camps. There's one that may be somebody that's people that are highly functional and can have anxiety and use it, like you said, as something that pushes them forward to make positive momentum and changes. And then there are people that are in the camp that anxiety has just kind of paralyzed them and they're in a situation where they feel that they can't get past it and that they're always going to be anxious in their lives. I feel that the second camp you have an opportunity to move into the, it doesn't have to be a part of your everyday life and it's something that you can evolve, but what are the, in your experience and your practice, what are the differences in how people can get from the ladder, right? In terms of moving forward into the positive momentum. Yeah, it really is, again, individual for the person. Um, but I've seen so many people that I you know, have gone to other therapists or other doctors that are just like, okay, here's a pill. And yes, you're going to have anxiety forever. And it's just kind of how you're wired and how you're born. And I'm like, what are you talking about? That doesn't make any sense to me. Because I, I agree with you, you know, I think it's something like you said, as an awakener, but it doesn't have to be here for the rest of our lives. Yeah, so I think some of the different are the main difference is the belief in the possibility that you can have that differently in your life. Does that make sense? If you don't believe it's possible to shift your anxiety, your anxiety will never shift. Mm -hmm. And so I spend a lot of time with a lot of clients. You know, sometimes it happens really, really quickly for people, which is super exciting, but really just helping them convince their own 
souls and their cells and their whole body that it's possible to live without anxiety. And once they can start shifting into that mindset a little bit more, it starts the practices become so much easier to integrate consistently because if there's hope that it's going to change, of course, there's more motivation to do the things that will make it change. But if there's no hope or confidence that that is going to permanently shift, there's a lot more resistance. And so, and I believe, you know, once they start doing little practices and seeing little signs that their anxiety is shifting more permanently, it builds confidence and it builds momentum. And so I'm a big believer. We talk a lot in sessions that I really make people do their homework so they can have direct evidence for themselves of this stuff actually working. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. And how do you feel about, so I don't know if you've ever experienced actually having a panic attack. I have a friend of mine who recently, Mm -hmm. actually the other day, texted me and she's never had one in her life, but she knew that I had a few. Yeah, it's scary. It's like you feel like you're dying and then most people end up going to the emergency room and you definitely need to look into what is your long-term plan about talking to somebody and having that as a practice versus going into emergency room because it's not a short-term fix. It's something that you have Mm -hmm. to look at in terms of of bettering yourself over the long haul. Unfortunately, that's just what it is, right? But what happens is, is if people aren't paying attention and it hits you. So I say this because my friend asked me, she's like, do I go to the emergency room? What do I do? And I mentioned to her, I was like, unfortunately, what you need to do is like, go and do these steps. And I said, call your primary, (laughs) find a good therapist. I say that because I think that we're in a society, actually, I don't think I know, we're in a society that everyone imagines that there's a pill or there's something that we can take and it's a short-term fix. And then as soon as we start somewhat feeling better, then we kind of dismiss the work that we still need to do. And I say that- Oh my goodness. You say that because (laughs) what advice do you have for people? Because in ways it's easier for you when you're in a moment of crisis to maybe ask for help and to take that step. But then once you start to feel better, I feel like some people just kind of let it go, right? Until maybe they have three panic attacks in a row or it gets really, really bad or they get really sick or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. And again, I think it's unique to each person, but I do think it has to kind of get bad sometimes or people have to, I hear a lot in my office, like, I'm just so sick of myself. I'm so sick of hearing myself complain about this. I'm so sick of this anxiety. And so I think a lot of times that's the shift as well when they just keep doing the same thing over and over and over again and it's not working. Or if they do have someone that they're working with, you know, because I see it all the time as well, right? Someone has a panic attack. And then and I had this actually last week to two people and same day, they both had a panic attack. And both of the panic attacks were related to conversations that they weren't having with people in their life that they needed Mm -hmm. to talk to Mm -hmm. that we've been talking about. I'm like, okay, you know, in a really nice way in a loving way, because it doesn't matter to me, everybody evolves in their own time, right. And so I don't have attachment to it. But I just understand understand that if they don't do that, they're going to keep having panic attacks. If they don't make the changes in their life or say the things they need to say, they're going to keep having panic attacks. And to me, a panic attack also um, is a sign to just check in with yourself more frequently. And so that's a lot of what I talk about with my clients is starting out, you know, maybe once an hour and setting a timer for yourself and taking, you know, five deep breaths and just asking yourself with your hands on your belly, what am I feeling? Because the more frequently you can check in with how you're feeling and the more aware you are of it more consistently, it doesn't build up to that point. 
of a panic attack because what that means is that you haven't been conscious of how you've been feeling for quite some time, which a lot of people aren't. You know, a lot of people are in our heads so much because we're living life or we're going to work or we don't understand the importance Mm -hmm. of getting out of our heads. And so to me, you know, it's just a wake up call to check in with yourself more frequently, be in your body, know how you're feeling, get out of your head. Yeah. And so really, again, yeah, I think it depends on the individual, but a lot of times it's just people getting sick enough of themselves Mm -hmm. to make the changes or getting motivated. I don't think people are motivated enough to feel good which to me it's my main priority I really encourage my my clients to make feeling good our main priority because what that does is it connects us more to our intuition when we're at higher vibration and it also helps us help other people more we can't spread out high vibration energy and love and light if we're not feeling good and so it's really a gift to humanity to prioritize your own happiness. Yes, absolutely. And I love that you said that because that's my biggest thing is one of my biggest things I should say is that (laughs) if you look within yourself and you go to perfect yourself and make yourself a better person, then, and if every single person on this earth did that, instead of looking outward, they looked inward, then we would be a utopia. We would be so much more of a better society and we would be ready to have, you know, everything that's coming to us right now. So I think and that's huge. It's like the only way to feel not anxious forever, because that's also how you know what your purpose is, right? And so I find a lot of clients come to me with anxiety because they're not on purpose in their life. And either they know that or they don't know that. But until you find something to do with your life, it doesn't have to necessarily be a job. But most often, I think it is that you're you're on purpose with and you're doing your life's work. You're going to kind of feel low level anxious is another thing that I believe to that. And when you say job, I've, I explain what, cause I, former workaholic here, raising my hand. I mean, that defined my life, but that's a whole nother uh, episode for another day. For me, what I explained to my friends, I don't need a job. I need a source of income. I need a purpose mm-hmm. in life. That's a very different shift in your mindset, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. when you say I need a job or a career, yeah. then that's, I need a title. I need a salary. I need benefits. I need all these other things that define me versus what do you like to do? How are you getting your income and how is that bettering your life? How are you fulfilling yourself and other people? That sort of thing. And so that's something that I think people should probably look at as well in mm-hmm. terms of it, because a big part of my anxiety was just that being a single person person, you know, supporting myself, all those other things, Mm -hmm. that's Mm going to be. And what you also mentioned about, um, I think it's important to talk about with the listeners that are, you know, here is we normally define ourselves by the, am I a wife? Am I not a wife? Do I have children? Am I, you know, these, these, Mm. have I hit these numbers at a certain level in life? When I finally said to myself, and I, I can't speak for everybody else and I can't speak for you, but when I finally said, all of that doesn't necessarily matter what's actually making me, what is actually making me happy in life, then that took away a lot of the, I should be here at this age in life. I should be doing this. I should have accomplished this. And that anxiety and other things just kind of melted. I don't want to say melted away, but just took down the barriers. Amen. Again, yeah. And I, I do talk to a lot of clients that that have those same worries and fears of, you know, I'm not married yet, or I don't have kids yet, or da, 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 da. And yeah, 
I agree. You know, there, there is no timeline. There is no timeline for anything. Everybody is right on time, right? Mm-hmm. And so when you can let that go and tune into what you really think and feel, you know, you are going to be on your right path. And there is, yeah, there's no timeline for anything, right? And trying to force it pushes it further away. Yeah, mm-hmm. my dad, when I was... um really young and I would get so anxious about things. Like if I had a quiz that I had to take or whatever it is, like just minimal things. And I would just be all out of sorts. He would say, you can only do the best or you did the best Mm -hmm. that you could at that moment in time. Yeah. And I think that everybody here (laughs) listening needs to know you're doing Mm -hmm. the best that you can at this moment in time. And you should just breathe and take into account that you are you and you're doing you're doing what you need to do and once you assess the situation and where you are just bringing your light to everything is what matters Mm -hmm. I think you're just hitting on something so important with anxiety that self-love and self-compassion is a huge component of decreasing anxiety because there's so many people that are accomplishing so much and they have this belief system in them that it's because they're criticizing themselves or because they're pushing themselves. And if they stopped doing that, they wouldn't be successful in their life. But it's really creating anxiety. Right. And it's not helping at all. <laughs> I have a lot of people that work in tech, tech companies because I'm in Seattle area. And so it's just a huge, it's like a, a huge shift to, to start thinking that, Oh, if I let go a little bit and stop pushing and I'm actually very kind and loving to myself, I'm going to be more successful in life. You know, people don't understand that, but once they start practicing it and it really, you know, starts working, <laughs> they get excited about it. So yeah. So thanks for bringing up this the self-criticism and the self-doubt because it's a huge, huge part of the work I do with people is just helping them identify what they're talking about to themselves in their head and just being a lot more kind to themselves, you know, all day long consistently. Well, um, before we shift to the synchronicity, which I actually think that it, paying attention to signs and what that looks like makes is is very similar to our, to our anxiety, which is what I wanted to talk to you about. But I do want to dive a little bit into self-care because I feel mm-hmm. that the whole self-care movement, while I think is fantastic, where we should all take time to take baths and put facial, you know, do give ourselves facials and give all of that. I almost feel like that movement and if you buy a weighted blanket or you're using a stress ball, <laughs> I am not minimizing it by any means. I have a weighted blanket. I do all those things. But the idea of what people do and that can, being considered self-care versus what I actually consider mm. the hard work of self-care care is vastly different. So I'd love to get your perspective being in the medical field, what that looks like to you. Yeah, I see what you're saying, because what you're talking about, I think is it's almost denial in a way, you know, or distraction in a way from that. Which is lovely, you know, and I do encourage people to do all the things that you're talking about as well. But, you know, that almost masks right? If you take a lot of breaks and do a lot of self-care in the way that you're talking about, it doesn't really get down deeper to the surface of the reasons that you're having anxiety in the first place and let you make the shift you need to make to change them. And so I think, you know, doing those things, but also integrating in, you know, one of my favorite things is, you know, combining exercise and nature together. Like I said, I have state parks within five minutes of my house. And so I'm able to several times a week, just go out in nature and get real quiet. You know, I don't bring headphones. I don't listen to a podcast. I'm not talking to a friend. I'm talking to nature and the forest and the trees and myself. 
and so I can connect with what's really happening internally for me, you know, because it's hard when I'm around my children or I'm around other people to get down to the truth of that. And then I don't know how I feel. And then I don't know what I want. And I also get a lot of messages intuitively, synchronistically when I'm out there, you know, in that quiet space. And so I think that's one example of it. And meditating, you know, it's kind of similar to that, but just putting meditation into your self-care routine. So I think, again, meditation, getting out of your mind is a really important form of self-care because it gets you out of that thinking mind. It gets you into your intuition and your insight, which is going to allow you to make the changes that you need to make to release some of your anxiety. You know, I think talking to support people in your life can be definitely a form of self-care as well. Not people that you have to take care of, but people that are in your tribe that are spiritually connected and are growing as well is definitely a big part of self-care. Journaling, you know, automatic writing, asking yourself how you're feeling. I really like to do some of those practices after meditation when you're out of your head even more and asking yourself some questions that maybe you don't feel comfortable with most of the time, but getting to the truth um, of the answers that are underneath what your brain is telling you. In reality, it's super simple in the sense that (laughs) if you just put it into your practice of everyday life, it should work in, right? And it should flow and it should become a habit. It's not like we're asking you to run a marathon or asking you to do all this heavy lifting. But what happens is, is if you feel a hesitation and you don't want to do it, well, one, if you feel compelled to do it and you're very excited, great, just run with it and go with it. But if you're feeling super hesitant, then that means that that's exactly what you need. I totally agree. When there's a lot of resistance around, you know, in session with people too, we just, I just keep staying with it, right? You don't let go. Oh, that's a highlighter again to something that really needs to be processed. And I think of self-care too, because I have a lot of clients that do things that have done things, you know, consistently for years. But to me, they're missing the piece of integrating it throughout all day long, right? I think a lot of clients are like, okay, I meditate every day before bed. And I do this morning ritual of journaling or whatever, which is so great. And don't stop doing that. But I really, you know, all day long is where the real practice is, right? Using everything as a spiritual opportunity to grow and doing things proactively all day long too. You know, like every time I get in my car, I'm doing this wonderful affirmation every day when I go to work. It's a ritual that I do that keeps my vibration high and linking it to things that we're already doing, you know, in our day, like driving or brushing your teeth and looking at yourself in the mirror and telling yourself how much you love yourself or every day when you're walking, you know, imagining earth energy flowing up into your body or source energy flowing down from the sky. And so does that make sense? Self-care to me is practices that you do, but it's also a remembering of our truth all day long. No, I think that's exactly, you know, very poignant in the sense that most people aren't going to necessarily know how to take it up that level, right? But like you said, brushing your teeth, like it ends up becoming a practice and a ritual based on how you integrate it into your life. So if you start with one thing, like you said, it's not just because you meditate in the morning or at night or whichever it is, it's then then when you feel comfortable with it and becomes a daily practice, add something else, right? And almost like a workout and an exercise. You're exercising your mind, your mental state, your emotional state, your spiritual state, your physical state. So you want to make sure that you're having that in every aspect of your life. But if it sounds like too much to take on, you take on a little bit at a time and then you just add it on. Yeah, I think that's really beautifully stated. And, you know, just 
and being really gentle to yourself when you forget, right? Mm-hmm. Being really kind to yourself. Right. And just placing reminders throughout the day. You know, maybe you have a crystal somewhere. I wear bracelets every day that mean something to me that help me remember to take a breath or to be present or to get connected again or to imagine white light around me. You know, having physical reminders, I think, in your environment can be really helpful for self-care. Just to, again, tune back into that ancient wisdom and light and knowing that we are all born with that we we forget about and we just get away from by getting into our head but it's all around us all the time wanting us to feel amazing every second of the day so shifting gears a bit (laughs) synchronicity so we were talking about um paying attention to signs how anxiety can be a messenger for us that things aren't necessarily right in our lives and how we may need to make shifts how do you describe synchronicity and what does that look like for those of us who may not have heard it which i hopefully you have because you've heard of the movie and seen the movie but that said yeah definitely yeah so i think synchronicity a lot of the time when it's showing up it's to just help us know that we are in alignment, that we're on the right path, that maybe something that we were thinking about is really true and resonant for us, or it's there to show us a new direction on our path as well, to light something up that we haven't seen. Like, you know, I'm thinking of the other day I was driving to work and I, I like to drive fast, I realized, and I've accepted that in my later years. I used to judge myself for it, but now I don't. I think it's really <laughs> fun. But, but sometimes, you know, I'm trying to get somewhere and cars in front of me are going slow. And so I have to remind myself, okay, breathe. Everything's fine. Um, and so I was kind of in that state of like, I want to get to work and I was forgetting to breathe. And then I got back in my body for a moment and then I started looking around and then all of a sudden when I got back in my body and I was aware I saw these little signs around me like um I saw this license plate we have a dealership around here so it's kind of cool that these license plates are kind of common but it's it's a magic Toyota dealership and so magic is really big on the license plate frame and so I saw that one and then I was like okay thank you for that beautiful reminder I'm going to take a breath and slow down and remember that everything's magical and then um, my dad's on the other side and so he gives me signs all the time too and so in that moment I also saw someone on a motorcycle which my dad was a big motorcycle rider and I also about five minutes later I saw this license plate frame that said Walnut Creek on it which is really strange because that's in California, but that's where my dad was born. And so all those things together, you know, those signs to me, that synchronicity, and it was showing me that I'm connected, that my dad's right there to help me, that everything is perfect and wonderful and aligned. (laughs) And I'm on the right track. So it really helped me to slow down, get back into my body and have a really great day. So for each person, and that's beautiful that you said that, but for each person, it means Mm -hmm. that signs or, you know, from the other side, everything else, and even from your higher self are customized or independent to that particular person. And what I think, and again, what I'm just kind of like picking up on is that most people are so involved and I've got to get to work. I've got to get home. I have to do this, that, and the other, or whatever it is in their day-to-day lives that they're not necessarily looking out for or being open to the signs that the universe has been providing to us. Mm-hmm. 
I think you're right about that. Yeah. And so to me, it's a practice. I remember I texted my, I have this group of friends that we all went to college together at that magical college that I went to. Um, So I told them about my experience that day because it was so exciting. And then um, most of them were like, I am not even aware enough to see that. Like, what are you talking about? I'm so in my head. So I think it's super common, you know, and my friends are really spiritually conscious as well. And so for them to not even be aware, it's, it's, a challenge, right? And so I think it's just noticing every day when you're in your head and you're not in your body and practicing as much as you can, reminding yourself to get present because the only way we're able to see the signs of synchronicity is when we are present and we are in our body and we're not thinking too much. And so, and then I think asking for signs also, you know, asking for signs and then looking for them is a really good way to um, be able to see them. And I think also just even setting the intention, because I don't think enough people are even setting that intention out to want to see signs, let alone pay attention to them, let alone do what they're telling you to do. Because a lot of times I think we're getting signs, we're ignoring them, we're not aware of them. Or if we see the signs, we're scared sometimes to take action on them as well. I completely agree. It sounds complicated, but it's actually very simple in practice that when you feel something or you see something, you just kind of acknowledge it. Even if you feel a little bit like I'm going crazy or whatever, it's more like, thank you very much for the message. Thank you for the sign. And I don't want to say brush it off, but at least just acknowledging it, you're like ahead of the game. But then once you do Mm -hmm. that, more and more opportunities for recognition or awareness kind of pop up. And those can drastically and dramatically shift your life and where you're going. And most people think of the movie where um, Kate Beckinsale and, you know, all of that, there's just like the synchronicity. That's what it means. I'm going to find my soulmate and I have to follow these signs. But in reality, when you look at that movie, it's because two people were very dedicated about finding each other. And what are the odds that they're actually actually going to go through with it to the lengths that they did. But the fact of the matter remains that regardless, if you have been listening and following your true self all along, you never even would have been in that path to begin with, right? When people are thinking of synchronicity or the signs, I think Mm -hmm. it's super simple of just acknowledging where you are at that moment in time and why you are receiving that message. And it could be Mm -hmm. something as simple as just again, acknowledging it and then letting it go. Or if there needs to be action to be taken, then that's up to you. But it could be coming from your higher self, uh, the other side, um, and a guide, like in your case, your father, who's passed Mm -hmm. on, which is a beautiful Mm -hmm. moment. And that you know that he's constantly there giving you, you know, acknowledgement that he's there with you. Yeah. And I think the more we, like you said, start seeing the signs and paying attention to them and acknowledging them, and it becomes almost constant. (laughs) You've probably had this experience as well. I'm sure you have where it's just all day, every day you feel like you're... Somebody mentioned like if you are about to buy a certain type of car, right? Or you bought a car, like let's say you bought a blue Kia or whatever. You've never seen them on the road hardly in your life. But you bought one and then all of a sudden every other car is a blue Kia, right? It's also a part of your brain that just activated that you've seen it. And that is not not anything spiritual. That's something that's here in the present that you just are acknowledging it. So what happens is, is when you do that on an emotional, spiritual level then you are acknowledging it and then more can come to you and those messages can be more aware and you can be more conscious of it. 
right? Yeah. And the higher your frequency is, you know, the more the signs keep coming to you, right? And I think that sometimes when you're around people that you really vibe with and you have a synchronistic energy with, it happens even more when you're with those people or between you and that person, even if you're not present with them. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So out of the things that we talked about, whether it's anxiety or the synchronicity and message messages and... Um, just general signs and things that you've worked with with your clients. Anything else that you wanted to share about your personal experience or others that the listeners should know about? Yeah, I think that synchronicity, anxiety, spirituality, intuition, it's all really kind of saying the same thing. You know, it's really the universe wants us to get out of our thinking minds and connect to our deeper wisdom that has been there before we were even born and and to help us live that life um, that we were born to live without the fear. And so, yeah, so I think and the more we do that, the more we're able to be on our path and see that more clearly and the more we're able to help other people in the world, you know, with our, our life. Yeah. So I would just say, you know, anytime that you're feeling like you're having anxiety to slow down and to get really quiet and rather than doing something to distract yourself, um, really check in with how you're really feeling. And even if it's needing to write some things down, cause that can be really helpful. Just getting quiet, maybe doing some meditation stilling your mind, asking your higher self, you know, what am I really feeling underneath this anxiety? And you know your answer. Everybody is your best healer, right? <laughs> Everybody knows the answer when they come to me. They think they don't, but we really get down to the truth all of the time. And so everybody has that inner wisdom definitely inside of them. It's just finding ways to get down to it and to listen to it and to not be too scared to pay attention because it does have your highest good in mind. Even if it's scary, even if it means changing your whole entire life, that, that little voice inside of you is the truth. And it's a cheerleader for you. And it's really positive And it's really excited for your future. And so don't be scared. It's a huge message. You said don't be scared in the sense that yeah. when you have anxiety in that panic attack or when you're having a message to you, it's really truly to embrace it and to feel it and then to mm. not disregard it and put it away in a box or suppress it, right? And Beautiful. let that moment go and that anxiety will pass as soon as you recognize it. It's almost like it's almost like your inner child of, hi, I'm here. Have you recognized me? Okay. And then we ignore it. And then it's just going to come, right? And at that moment, once you do, then like you said, all those other things can happen because then you've recognized that this isn't going to break you. This isn't. And I speak from this from experience for people that are listening that it doesn't make or break you. It makes or breaks you because you haven't recognized it and you haven't let it go and you haven't embraced it. And once you do, then, you know, the world is is yours. Yeah, I, I'm glad you brought that up because validation, a lot of us grew up um, not having our feelings validated by our parents who were trying their very best. And so when we are grown up, we need to reparent ourselves in that way, right? And so you're so right in that anxiety is raising its hand saying that, hey, pay attention to me. And so it's really important to acknowledge and validate and tell yourself, I understand how you feel that way, but 
we can also do these other tools, but acknowledging it because a kid, when their feelings aren't acknowledged, they, they start crying, they start yelling, they start freaking out, or they just shut down, right? Until their feeling is acknowledged. And there's another concept in psychotherapy called name it to tame it. And so you're right on that as well. As soon as you can label it and understand this is anxiety, it decreases. No, that's really interesting that you say that, though, because I asked, I don't know how many doctors like, okay, well, what is it that I have? And I understand the reason why some doctors don't necessarily want to label certain things. But me, if I understand the issue or the problem, hey, it's you, you need to build up more self-confidence or it's a combination of these things or these factors or this is what it makes it easier for me to come up with a solution, right? And I'm not saying you have all the answers, but give me a piece of the answer. And so I think that also for people that are, you know, going through this, they shouldn't necessarily just think, use your own intuition. You know yourself the best. You know whether or not if you need to go and talk to somebody about this, whether it's something that you can do on your own, a combination of things. You just need to look at it as a opportunity, as an opportunity of bettering yourself, bettering yourself over the course of time. And um, so how can people reach you or how would you like them to contact you if they're interested in finding out more? Yeah, so I have a website. Um, that's just my name, TinaOmsha.com. I have, um, I really like Instagram lately. I post a lot of things and I post videos as well. And a lot of them are around anxiety and intuition. And so, yeah, so those are some good ways to get a hold of me. My phone number and email are on the website. And yeah, I would love to, to talk to you. I'm working on some new things for the new year as well. Some some resources about energy medicine and how it will help with um, anxiety. So everyone, thank you again for listening. Uh, Shana Olmstead, that's S-H-A-N-A-O-L-M-S-D-A-D.com. They will be in the show notes as well. And thank you so much. And we will be talking again, I'm sure, again in the future. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to A Psychic Story. Please be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode and join the conversation on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. All episodes are free on your favorite podcast player or at a psychicstory.com. 